Rebellions are built on hope. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. You stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! Hello and welcome to Heroes of the Galaxy. I'm your host, Alani. I'm Kelsey. And this is an iteration of an ongoing series of our podcast where I used to take our former co-host, Millicent, on a epic journey through the different seasons of Clone Wars since she had never seen Clone Wars before. But since Kelsey is a lover of Clone Wars as much as I am and has seen a majority of the series, we're actually going to just talk about season two today. How do you feel about that, Kelsey? I'm feeling great. I watched season one, two, three so quickly that they all have like blended into one. But I know I went through and I'm like, okay, these are like the major arcs that actually happened in season two. Um, I'm really excited. I, you know, Clone Wars is such a gift. I feel like you, I feel like to properly understand Star Wars, you will need to watch it. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It adds so much. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is true. Go on, sister, go on. <laughs> I was like, say more. Actually, yes. Um, it adds so much to... It, it. It's weird when you look at the timeline, it doesn't take place over a long span of time. Like, it happens between episodes two and three of the prequels. And that's not... Um, very long between the two, even though Anakin does grow a lot of hair between the, between then. It actually is not very long. It's only a couple of years. And but so much, but so, so, much so much happens, so much character development for Anakin specifically, but obviously Ahsoka, we meet in the Clone Wars, has a lot of development within the Clone Wars, but we don't, we don't meet her in Attack of the Clones nor Revenge of the Sith. So she's, Which is the crime. It's a literal crime. It's so, it's so bad, but, I mean, considering, like, the series came out after Revenge of the Sith, like, it makes sense, but it's, like, unfair. Um, of course, you know, now she's in live action in The Mandalorian, so she's in the greater Star Wars franchise. It's still, mm, in retrospect, like... It's sad. Like, it's, it's sad. sad that, you know... It's sad. It's but, like, I remember when I first started... Like you're gonna have so much more respect for Anakin. You're gonna understand Anakin so much better. And I was like, okay, Alani, okay. And now I'm like an Anakin apologist. Anakin apologist. Oh my god. I feel like even the biggest Anakin hater cannot come out of the Clone Wars hating Anakin. Yeah, I'm sorry. Development. There's so much like you get so much more context into why he is the way he is, why he acts the way he acts, like. Mm-hmm. I love that man. <laughs> he he's great. He's fantastic. Well, okay, I'm not gonna you know, I'm he also is. an Anakin apologist, but yeah, I'm not gonna be like he is fantastic. Um, so everything he does is so smart. Mm-hmm. We won't go that far. Yeah. Um. There's just so much therapy could have done for him, and I'm just very sad about it. We're no longer gonna call this segment my first Clone Wars. We're gonna call it something. I don't know. I'm gonna call it... Mm. Like a journey through <laughs> the Clone Wars, navigating Clone Wars. I don't know. Yeah, we'll call it something. Because we're we'll gonna continue on. this. Like, yeah. we're going to... This episode, we're going to blast through all of Season 2 just because... Um, I've stated this in past Clone Wars episodes. All of Clone Wars is important, guys. But, mm, the first two seasons are not as fantastic as the rest of the seasons. And so we're not going to sit here and go through each and every arc that season two has to offer. Also, I think season two has a lot more single episodes as opposed to, like, arcs. So we're going to go through, like, the main arcs all in this podcast episode today but then from here on out we're gonna go through like different main arcs for season three onward 
So we're going to continue. So hopefully by next podcast episode, we have a smart, fun, creative <laughs> name. So we're going to continue on. Well, I'll briefly mention the, where is it? The Holocron Heist arc, um, which is the, like, season premiere, season two, episodes one through, <clears throat> one through three. It is when Darcidius hires Cad Bane, the bounty hunter, to steal a holocron from the Jedi Temple on Coruscant that will help him locate four sensitive children. Um, this is not the last time that a holocron is used to locate four sensitive children. Most recently, that similar storyline is used in Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. I hope that's not a spoiler for anyone. Whoops. My show notes for this, that's Cad Bane being fucking annoying, hunting down four sensitive children. That's literally my note for this arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would just be up here and you're just like, please, can you just please leave these poor children alone? Yeah. I mean, Cad Bane is, like, an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I just, like, never found him as um, interesting or as, like, I wasn't as, like, in love with him as, like, some fans are. But, like, I don't dislike him. At all. He has kind of like this, like, I don't know, suave yeah. to him that, you know, people yeah. love. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it, yeah. He's, uh, I mean, like, a lot of season two deals with bounty hunters, which is really interesting. I think it was, where is it? I think it's on Wikipedia, which, of course, you can't always trust. However, they have different titles for each season, and, like, this one is Rise of the Bounty Hunters. Um, so it's kind of like a reoccurring theme, like bounty hunters, um, for this season. So yeah, just wanted to briefly mention that arc. But then going into the first, like, meaty <laughs> arc that we have is the second battle of Geonosis, which is episodes five through eight. And the first battle my dear friends, that you might remember is from Attack of Clones, the movie. Episode 2, the movie. And, you know, that's where, like, Annie and Padme have their kiss and you hear um, their love theme playing over them as he's just like, I thought we promised never to fall in love and they kiss. (laughs) Sorry, I'm, like, looking at the picture I have of them kissing right in front of me on my desk. And of course, like their huge battle between the the huge monsters, or they're not monsters, they're alien monster, monster alien animal things come after them and Obi-Wan <laughs> when they're trying to save them and Obi-Wan's like, good job. Um Yeah, and like that whole battle. Genosis, the Jedi come, and that's when you see the first uh what's the word? Like the release, I guess, of the stormtrooper or the yeah. They're not stormtroopers at this point. Clone troopers. That's when they're first brought out, and that is the start of the Clone Wars. So that's the end of Attack of the Clones, leading straight into the Clone Wars, like the wars. And then you get Clone Wars, the show. Um, so the second battle, Geonosis, is, you know, they go back to Geonosis. Anakin is now with Ahsoka, and they have uh, Luminara, Master Luminara, and her... Padawan, Ferris Afi. I believe that's the first time we meet Ferris Afi, who becomes a key character later on. And I'm not going to spoil it because Kelsey's not gone to that part yet. No, I haven't. But I did read that she's rumored to be in Ahsoka's live action show, which is very exciting. Yes. And um, last time we talked about it too, I mentioned that one of the actresses. Moses Ingram, who had that one Instagram that that she tweeted, she was like, uh, or she captioned it like, "I play with lightsabers," mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, it could mean Ahsoka because Ahsoka has two, but then it's also like a lot of people were like, "Oh," or she could be Barriss Offy, and it's like there is one time in season five where Barriss Offy has two lightsabers, so very exciting. But what were, do, I know when you watch season two for the first time, 
I don't know if you can remember your first thoughts when seeing Bear's Offie, but do you remember um, any of your, your thoughts about, I guess, either your first thoughts either seeing her or, I guess, the way the that she and Ahsoka interact or the way that Luminara and Barriss interact? I just thought, like, the dialogue between Ahsoka and her was, was always so fun. I don't know. It was just like, it was like watching, I don't know, it was like watching Sisters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which obviously they're not, but like, it's just, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I think Ahsoka is just so like, I don't want to say snarky, but she could be, we'll say sassy. Sassy is a good word. Yeah. That's, that's what I can remember. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, that's why Anakin calls her Snips. Yeah. Because she's snippy. Um, Queen. Queen. I really, yeah, I really liked their dynamic. I also really like, um, this isn't the first time that we see Ahsoka interact with Luminara. So Mm -hmm. I really like seeing her, uh, I really see, really like seeing Luminara, like, uh, interact with Ahsoka and kind of just be, like, voice of reason when Anakin's over here who's supposed to be her master and is not the voice of reason. Just a shit disturber all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of funny to, to see that interaction, but then when it comes to Ahsoka and Beresafi, it's like, it's fun, it's fun to see them interact, but it's also really interesting to kind of see how they are extensions of their master as well, because it's, it's like Beresafi is very much like, to the book, obviously, because she doesn't have any room to be anything else. Because, like, Luminar is very much, like... She's, like, very, put, like, put together. Very, like, like this is, what, this is how it's done. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, Anakin's like, we're going to just see how this goes. Yeah. I know Anakin and Ahsoka, I, I, I want to say it's season one, but again, I watched it so quickly. I think of when Ahsoka's like, that was my suggestion. Like, I literally said that. And Anakin's like, yeah, but how you said it was wrong. So it's okay when you don't follow what the Council says. Doing what the Jedi Council says, that's one thing. How we go about doing it, that's another. That's what I'm trying to teach you, my young Padawan. So you always meant to come out here for survivors? Lives are in danger, Ahsoka. We can't just turn our backs on them. That's what I said back in the briefing room. I know. But the way you said it was wrong. Like, that's literally Anakin and Ahsoka to a T. To a T. Yep, that is literally the epitome of their relationship. Is like... <laughs> but I just I just remember seeing that being like, oh yeah, this is my show. <laughs> but how you said it was wrong. Like, okay, Anakin. I also really like how... Okay, so you see that aspect of it. Like, they're the extension of their master. And then I also... But I really like how it's, and everything Anakin doing is, everything Anakin is doing is wrong, and like, you know, he's a bad master, and like, he just, he just lets her do anything he, she wants, blah, 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 But then when you see it in action, it's like, no, but Ahsoka's the one that saves the day because of how mm-hmm. he's teaching her, and it's like, she's, and I think part of that, it's like, that's in her character, like, she's ferocious, and she's, um, she's like thinking her courageous. Yeah, she's, she'll make the, the call mm-hmm. that will, you know, have a positive outcome. Like, and that's just because she's not, you know, quote-unquote doing it by the book. Yeah. As long as she gets to the, you know, the right outcome, that's all that really matters. <laughs> right. And I just, uh, like, the end, I think it's the end of episode five or six. It's within this arc. She saves the day, and, like, they would have died if it wasn't for her calling to Anakin and I think it's just, like, so beautiful when he, like, saves her and then he, he, he's so worried about her. And, like, he, and then he also doesn't give up because the Jedi Code tells them, like, you can't have attachments. Like, oh, like, she's gone. Like, she's dead. And Luminara the whole time is, like, you have to let her go, Anakin. Like, whatever. Which is, like, so freaking heartless. These yeah. are children. They're 14 at this point still. Maybe nearly 15. 14, 15. They are children and you're going to let them die. That is so heartless. And that it, it just highlights, there are many things that highlights what's wrong with Jedi Order, but um, that truly does. And it's like, and he's supposedly in the wrong for being like, no, we have to save her. Um, I'm the one supposed to take care of her. She is a child. What the hell? This and is why we're Anakin apologists. Like, he <laughs> was onto something. <laughs> right, and it's like, 
he ended up saving her and she was trying to fight to live. Yeah. It, it's like if only one of them had done that, like if only, if only she was fighting to live, but he had given up on her, she would have died. Or Barris and Ahsoka would have died. If he was fighting to save her and she was like, listen to Barris. Yeah. Right. Then, you know, but like they both were like, no, like we're both going to fight whatever. And it's like they're two sides of the same coin in that fact. Like basically they're very similar characters. So it makes sense that that's how it played out. But it's like, it's so wild kind of to see that. But but then it's, he's made to feel like he was in the wrong or like whatever. Mm-hmm. And like you just, any, you just yeah. see the contrast between like both their like teaching styles and both like how they interact with their Padawans and like, yeah, I don't, I think it, would you say that's like one of the first times where you really see like, I feel like people on the same level, like matching one another in regards to like that contrast like obviously we like we know like obi-wan and anakin's relationship but like i feel like this is probably the first time in clone wars where it's somebody on the same level in regards to both like the jedi and both padawans i don't know do you mean mm, i don't know if i know what you mean like they're like mirroring each other in a way like they're both on like you know what i mean like i'm trying to think of in season one if there's anybody that is on like Ahsoka's level in regards to like you know like what where she is in her training and things like that like with Ahsoka and Anakin marrying each other yeah well even and like two Jedis and two and their Padawans um I don't think we see it in season one like that like this Luminara the first one that Regardless, I just thought, I just think it's, it's cool to see the, the contrast, like, so obviously blatantly, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in season one, we do have the, what's it called, Kit Fisto and his former Padawan with, um, I forgot what his Padawan's name is, but he's a Mon Calamari, whatever their alien type is, but, but they're completely different, like, his Padawan or his former Padawan is, like, annoying and doesn't listen and like thinks he's the shit and everything Kifisto is very like chill as hell but yeah yeah I think you're right like I think this is the first time where it's like Lunar like it's like in your face where it's clearly like that's what they're trying to show you is like the the contrast between teaching styles contrast between the two Padawans yeah 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 Um, and it just shows you I don't know there's I don't want to say that obviously Anakin has his faults but I want to say he's good at what he does yeah, and I think it's so funny because it's like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like he literally does not know how to take care of a child, and it, that spans throughout the five, five, six, five seasons. With once, like literally in season four, with Padme still being like, I don't know why they put you in charge of child. Like that line, <laughs> I think you said that it to me. That should be on a t-shirt. That should be t-shirt coming to you soon, guys. Keep keep that. But, um, no, literally, like, when, yeah, Padme's literally, Ahsoka, I think, at that point was probably, like, 16, nearing 17, and uh, Padme's like, I still am in awe that they put you in charge of children, or something along those lines, and it's like, I mean, and she knows, and it's so funny, and it's like, but, and so he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and, and again, I think, I, I said this before, but it's like, some of it comes down, it comes down to Ahsoka as well, like, she's just really good at what she does too, like, she's a good Jedi, she's skillful, and like, she pick, she picks things up really well, and all this good stuff, but. And, what I love about her is that she questions things, mm-hmm. like, she just doesn't, she's not passive, she's like Anakin in that regard, like, she's just, she'll be, if something doesn't sound right, she'll be like, well, well, why? She's yeah. honestly like, like, you know, when, I think it's what, like, toddlers, when they, not toddlers, but like, you know. Yeah. When they're five, they just ask why. Well, why? 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 That's literally a why? why are we doing this? Yeah. What about this? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's always good. That's good. Cause then no, it's, that's yeah. important. Because, you know, that's why the Jedis are kind of an interesting, we'll say interesting, um, group. Because mm. they, I feel like they don't question the motives behind a lot of their actions enough. Yeah, they just do. They just, they just are. And then... By the end of that arc, the Padawans, they are separated from their masters, and so Ahsoka and Ferris are on a starship by themselves with 
clones, um, and then Anakin and Luminara are separated. And there is like a parasite that ends up infesting the clones on the ship and like ends up making them go like crazy or like like it takes over their bodies and like so like uh Ahsoka and Barris have to well then it like ends up taking over like Barris as well and like it's it's kind of at, at no point does it become like a horror movie type scary but like it is like a bit like a eerie. it's eerie a bit like a thriller like I mean, like, a part of you is, like, they're going to make it out, but also it's kind of just like, oh, my gosh, what the hell? Um, like, I think their tongues come out and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a bit weird. And then, like, of course, like, Ahsoka and Barriss have to, like, face off at one point during the episode. Um, and then it's also always sweet to see, like, Anakin, like, worrying about Ahsoka. Like, um. Because he acts like he doesn't care. I know. But in reality, he is literally the one that cares the most. Oh, yeah. About everybody. Yeah. Um, he cares so much. That's uh, his downfall. <laughs> we can have an episode just being, like, Anakin apologist. That's what we call the episode. We're literally going to have, we're going to end up having an episode where it's like, Anakin cared too much. That's his demise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he slaughters a bunch of children. It's because he cared. <laughs> show this to my psychologist please um but yeah so yeah by the end of the episode again Ahsoka saves the day held down the fort like the last one alive on that ship I mean like there were others that survived but she was the last one that was not infested because they end up the way that they were able to kill the parasite was like you freeze them out and so um in her little tube top she was freezing but saved the day um Queen. Yeah. Was there anything else you really liked from that episode? I don't think that summarized it, basically. I just love the mirroring of the two, two parents. Yeah. Mm, let's see. Okay, now we're moving into one of, if not the best arc in this whole season. Um, we have been very excited to talk about the arrival of the character, one of, like, the character that's introduced in this arc. Um, it's the Death Watch arc, which is very exciting, too. Death Watch is also a very exciting group to get into. Um, it's episodes 12 through 14 of season two. And essentially, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker our two loves are together by themselves without Ahsoka and they are sent on a mission. So like Mandalore basically is uh, the best, so the best way to like describe this is like basically Mandalore is like a pacifist planet. So like think of them as like Switzerland in the Clone Wars against the Separatists. Yeah. Like against, Yeah, so against the Separatists and the Republic, so, like, they are neutral territory, and so Duchess Satine Cries, who is the character that we were, we're very excited to get into um, today, is introduced, and she's being targeted by the Separatists and Death Watch, and so Death Watch, I mentioned earlier, they're a terrorist faction of Mandalorians, and... We met one of them in the season two of Mandalorian, Bo-Katan, but of course that's like several, several years, decades, even in the future. At this point, though, she's still part of the terrorist organization. Um, at this point, though, all Mandalorians on Mandalore are pacifists, um, and Death Watch, the reason they're considered terrorists is because they are very violent, and they want, they are violent because they want to make Mandalorians warriors again. Um, I'm still reading through all this. So essentially, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker are sent to protect and look over Duchess Teen Cries. Typically they wouldn't, I think, because like the Republic doesn't get involved with Mandalorian business, again, because it's neutral territory. 
but I think because I forgot why but for whatever reason they end up getting involved with this one I think for some reason I think it just encroaches on their territory but yeah so um, count, count, doesn't Count Dooku get involved like doesn't he like like encourage Death Watch like maybe that's uh, what he's yeah so. that's why oh I literally just, yeah I just said that too they're targeted by Separatists and Death Watch and that's why it's because the Separatists and Count Dooku got involved and so the Republic gets to step in and then they send the Jedi who are Generals of the Republic. Now we got to meet Duchess Satine Cries. So, did you know about Satine before you met her in season two? No. Um, I, I remember my brother mentioning her, and I'm like, so when she eventually did, and I was like, oh, oh, Obi-Wan has some history. Obi-Wan potentially formed a connection. Ooh. Anakin is amazing. <laughs> in this moment like he's amazing it's truly like there are like obviously comical moments like throughout and Anakin has shown like his comical he has a funny bone we'll just say that he has a funny bone and like several other characters do but like this arc hilarious comedian get him out get him on stand up oh my god he's too funny like oh my god when he is sipping on his martini <laughs> and Obi-Wan and Satine cause so at this point no one knows that Satine and Obi-Wan had relations before right literally so, say the word relations right or don't they say something they say like the word relations or they say like they, they say something they, yeah. yeah oh my god so and they funny. like they and so they walk in the room and like the air is Thick with sexual tension for a kid's show, right? And they're just going at it with like, uh, they're like bickering, like it's from, like it's from like, the jump. It's like a verbal ping pong match where they're they're just like at each other, like they they're just match each other's level in such a in such an interesting way. Yes, and there's just like instant disdain, but it's not disdain like they hate each other. It's like oh my god, I want to jump your bones, but no, I'm mad me. about it. I'm really mad that I find you attractive. And so that's from the jump. And Anakin's sitting there with his martini glass. And he's just sipping. He just needed some popcorn to really just, like, set the mood. Like, that's all he needed. And it's just the funniest thing. My fav One of my favorites is also at the end of one of the episodes when, like, because Satine ends up, like, she gets caught by, like, someone else from Death Watch. And the guy was like, I'm going to, like, kill her. Or something, and she ends up like escaping, and he's like, "Which one of you is gonna kill me and become like a monster or something?" And then Anakin's lightsaber just comes through his chest, and he drops to the floor dead. And then Obi Wan is like, "Anakin," <laughs> and Anakin's like, "What? He's gonna blow up the ship? What was I supposed to do?" Oh, Anakin's so good. <laughs> He's I'm so like, good. As I said, Anakin apologizes. He does not get enough love for his community. He was like, what? About, what was I supposed to do? I'm like, I mean, he made some points. <laughs> he was going to blow up the ship. He made points. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, he killed a guy, but is he really a monster? Like, come on, leave him alone. He's fine. But sexual tension. Woo. I love it. I'm excited for her to potentially be in a Mulan series. I feel like she will be. I feel like it's enough. It has, you know? like, ugh. Especially when, you know, the whole, like, Jedi still form attachments, da 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 And, like, it's very obvious that he has an attachment. Yeah. Which I think this is the first instance where you see Obi-Wan Kenobi really break that perfect Jedi Knight mold. Mm -hmm. Like, it alters a little bit. Yeah, like, he's always to a T, and he's just, like, you know, like, he follows the code really well, and he really never really makes mistakes, and he hasn't really formed attachments, and, like, this uh, Satine character, and, like, any talk of uh, any former love interest uh, had never been, 
discussed in the movies, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like, he actually did have a life before The Phantom Menace, and, like, he did make boo-boos, and he's human as well. Like, he, you know, and that's the Relations. He had relations, and it's, like, that's the thing. It's, like, it's human to want to love someone and be loved and have attachments and stuff. Like, it's not... I'm, like, human in the sense of, like, an anim- an animated person, like, mm-hmm. a being with a conscience, like, you know, because not all of these aliens and Jedi are, like, human, but, so it's, like, I don't know, but it's, and their love story is just so beautiful and so tragic and whatever, but I just love do them. Do you think, like, do you think that's why he kind of, like, turns a blind eye to Anakin and Padme all the time is because of Satine, because he knows, like, what it's like? Yeah, I think so. And it's also, like, Qui-Gon Jinn also turned a blind eye for him. Yeah. So, because also, like, I mean, also, Qui-Gon Jinn also, I don't think, cared. Qui-Gon could not give a fuck. Because um, I think Qui-Gon also had his, his, uh... Everybody has a relationship. Yeah. Well, also, Qui-Gon Jinn was, like, not a model Jedi in the, in yeah. the sense that he didn't really follow the Order, from what I remember. Like, um, like, not from what we saw in Phantom Menace, but, like, outside canon comic books and stuff, but, um, yeah. So, it's, like, he definitely, like, turned a blind eye, and he was, like, you know, because, like, the history with Obi-Wan and Satine is, like, they, for listeners who do not know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were, like, sent to be their body, be her bodyguard during the Mandalorian Civil War, which happened roughly about ten years before Phantom Menace, although, like, people within Lucasfilm have come out and said that that timeline can change, because it's not technically canon, I don't know, but, um, and whatever, because, whatever, they were sent to protect her, and then, like, that's when Obi-Wan and Satine Mm -hmm. had their relations, their tryst, um, and, and, yeah, and I think they were, like, together for about a year of him protecting, or them protecting Satine, and that is, yeah, and so I think Qui-Gon kind of was just like, y'all do you, I'll be over here, um, and then they left when they left, and that's kind of just when it ended, I guess, and that's when Corky cries is born, no, just kidding, um, um, that's, a, that's a TikTok you made, right? That's a TikTok I made that almost went viral. Um, got into a fight a little bit, but it's okay. Because I'm the I'm a firm believer, um, listen, dear listeners, that <laughs> I love the conspiracy theory that Quirky cries is a Kenobi. I love it, love it to death. I don't think that it's actually canon, just because I don't think that at this point they would pointed out this late. I think they would have told us at some point. Yeah. Like, if they were going to make a canon, they would have made a canon during Clone Wars. I don't... That's something they would have told us then. I don't think they're going to then be like season three Mandalorian and be like, hey, here's Corky coming to beat up his aunt, Bo-Katan. I think it'd be so wild. Like, what if Corky cries is just, like, sitting on the throne of Mandalore when they show up with, like, Pedro Pascal, like, and, like, all of them showing up, like... And he's just like, yeah, like, my dad, Obi-Wan, would be so mad at you guys. Like, the Darksaber's mine, because Jedi runs in my blood. Like, oh my god, imagine. I don't think it, it's too late to make it canon, I think. But I love that conspiracy theory. It just makes sense to me. Either way, I love Satine and Obi-Wan. They hurt me almost as much as Anakin and Padme. Well, there's that whole, you know, like, lost love. Romeo and Juliet vibes of it all. And he's just like, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. Stop! Please. Uh, it hurts me so much. Ah! That, like, that's like such a, such a strong declaration, like, because like, Jedi is everything mm-hmm. to Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Like, literally everything. It's his life, so it's like, literally, it's like, I would have left my life. I would have given up my entire life. For you. For you. She just, she literally was just like, I know. Like, Jesus Christ. That's, like, that gives me, um, I love you, I know vibes. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, hurts me. 
can't believe Star Wars is just like Romeo and Juliet in different ways. <laughs> it's Star Wars? You mean star-crossed lovers? Casey Musgraves who? Just kidding. I'm very excited for her album. Me too. But going into Death Watch a little bit, it's also very exciting to see them in this arc because it's the first time they're really established and um, Previsla is shown. Um, he's in disguise as like a bartender at first, um, which is really interesting because it's like, does Satina know what he looks like? Because mm-hmm. he's like serving her at the bar, and I'm like, um, Bo-Katan is not introduced in this arc. Bo-Katan's not in here, because Bo-Katan is Satine's sister, but Bo-Katan is introduced in season four, so we'll talk about her later when we meet her officially. I think it was cool to see her, like, in, like, for me, for in Mandalorian first, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I have no idea who this is. My brother was like, that's Bo-Katan. Once you watch Clone Wars, you'll under, I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. I will watch. I freaked out. Like... People, we talked about this last time, people have cripes about, like... Fan service. Fan service and bringing all these animated known characters into, like, live action. It's like, honestly, bring it on. Bring the more the merrier. Because I'm very excited about all this as an animated fan. Because if we're being honest, a lot of people don't watch the animated shows. They should. Because Clone Wars is the best stuff to come out of Star Wars. Honestly. So they should be watching it. But... The majority of Star Wars fans don't, I would say, as popular as it is. And I'm hoping that, like, all this stuff is getting them to watch it. It seems like more people are watching it. But regardless, even if everyone's watching it, it's like, I don't know. Marvel's doing cross-referencing of TV movie. And it's like, not every IP and franchise should, nor should everything have a, not, like, nor should, like, every movie have a TV parallel and vice versa. However, this does, and it makes sense. it's all in the same universe, it makes sense, and it's all connected, and it's the Mandalorian, and they're Mandalorians, and I just, like, I just, why are we mad about, why are we mad about this, guys? What's, One thing I say about fan service is, gimme, gimme, gimme by ABBA. Just gimme, gimme, gimme. Exactly. I love fan service. I don't care. I literally don't care. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> please, please appease me. Please. I just, there's a time to be snarky and snotty and snooty about things, and it's just, like, not with Star Wars. It's for children. And I think, like, if it was, if it's just to, like, I don't know, if it's to to please, like, certain pairings of people I can think of off the top of my head, two people in particular, um, where it just doesn't seem natural, like, then I understand, like, fuck fan service, but, like, Bo-Katan literally makes sense. Like, she literally makes sense in, this, in The Mandalorian, sorry. Like, fan service, sometimes fan service can be good, sometimes it can be bad, but 98% of the time, I eat it up. Yeah. Yep. And on that note, it was very fun to see before she took... Because I think when The Mandalorian came out, there were guesses that Bo-Katan would be in it, but I don't think anything was ever, like, officially announced that Katie Sackoff would be in it, and she voiced Bo-Katan in Clone Wars and Rebels. So, yeah, it was really exciting to, like, see her without the helmet off and see her little, like, sigil on her thing, and it's like, that looks like her armor, and then she takes it off. And then it's, like, Bo-Katan with her, like, blunt haircut and whatever. And it's, like, it was very cool to see. And it was also very cool to see and finally get answers. And we talked about this last time, but finally get answers as to why, like, Mando acts the way he does. And, like, why his form of Mandalorian is so different from hers. And, like, why Boba Fett and Jango Fett were, like, so different from any of them, although we, like, knew why they were as well, because obviously they were, like, the original clones and not really Mandalorians, although it seems like they might have some Mandalorian in their blood somewhere, but, um, yeah, it was all very, it's, again, it's cyclical and it brings it all back together, which makes sense as to why Bo-Katan was there. So, we get a little bit of Death Watch, 
I mean, call the Death Watch arc, but we get a little bit of them in this arc. Um, and we get more of them later in season four, and a lot more in season five, which is very exciting for you two, because you haven't seen that mm -hmm. yet, I don't think. So, I mentioned earlier, the last two episodes we're going to talk about, well, we'll talk about one episode. It's a one-off, so it's not an arc, and then we'll talk about the last two episodes, which is, like, kind of an arc. So, it's called, episode 11 is called Lightsaber Lost. So, it's right before the Death Watch arc. Um, we're talking about it next. We're talking about it now, because, like, it's not as important as those other two arcs. Um, it's just, like, a fun, um, episode. It deals with Ahsoka losing her lightsaber, and then gets put in the black market of Coruscant, and she, um, is then dealing with the, like, an older master trying to help her, and the patience that's involved with that, and I really like this episode because... Like, she learns a lesson, of course, of, like, the responsibility of the lightsaber, which, you know, Anakin loses his all the time, as we saw in the Attack of the Clones. But, um, we see a lot more of the underbelly of Coruscant, which we haven't, we don't see a lot of. We see a lot more of it in Season 7, but, um, not much until Season 5. Um, and then I also really like the master that she's with like a different dynamic than you normally see with like her and you know Anakin and stuff like that. Yeah. Get the help from the elder Jedi Terra Sinube. He's adorable. He's just like a different vibe. Yeah. Different vibe than what she's used to and I think that I don't know kind of like centers her in a way if that makes sense. Yeah it does and like she learns a lesson obviously of like what happens when you lose a lightsaber but she also learns a lesson of like how to act like you know, like, you can't just do things, and you can't just, like, force things, I guess. Kind of, like, you can't just always, like, pull an Anakin. Sometimes you gotta be... Patient. Yeah. Yes. That's a great, great little episode. Highly recommend it. And episodes 18 and 19. Says I Love Beast. Episodes. So it's not the finale, but it's near the end of the season. And it's when... Like, the Republic ends up going to a different planet, and they, like, their proton bomb awakens a monstrous, gargantuan, and near-invincible beast from an underground hibernation. Like, basically, it says, uh, Mace Windu and Anakin face a dilemma. Save the beast as the last specimen of its kind, or help the dugs kill it and secure a treaty for critical fuel supplies. And then in the next episode, they end up bringing it back to Coruscant. Yeah, because I forgot Palpatine tells him to clone them, right? Clone him. Yeah. And also because uh, they want to know more about the impenetrable armor of the Xylo Beast. And what's really interesting about these two episodes is, like, it's, it's a... What's the word? It's, like, an analogy for, like, imperialism, essentially. So it's like, you know, what happens when you go and, like, fuck up another country's shit, right? And then you, like, you know, you mess with their ecosystem. And then, like, you're like, oh, but, like, this thing can actually benefit us. So, like, let's, like, bring it back to our Western modernized world and try and, like, weaponize this monster or this, like, exotic animal's armor for our own gain, our own personal war gain, but then the beast ends up being too much for them to handle because, again, the words used to describe it are monstrous, gargantuan, and near-invincible. Because it was hibernating. It was literally not doing anything wrong, <laughs> and you messed up its cycle. So you came into its habitat, messed it up, and then now you're like, oh man, but it's causing me problems now. But it's like, yeah, but it was your problem like whatever but yeah so it's like it's basically like a it's a metaphor for oh, like, yeah it literally mirrors society like how society is yeah. and... which also reminds me of um sorry spoilers for the suicide squad the one that just mm -hmm. came out mm -hmm. with the starfish i don't know i was like i don't i forget what it was called but the starfish thing yeah it made me very sad at the end 
she was yeah, like, yeah, you just felt bad for it. Like it just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just reading it. It's just I forgot that the beast had like an interest in actually like taking down Palpatine. It was like a thirst. He was like, I'm going to get to Palpatine, whether you know, like whatever's in my way. Um, and somebody just said like it also sensed his true motives in the Galactic War, and I'm like, if only. If only he got to him. It's Think kinda, of all of the carnage we would, you know. It's also just like, yo, this is season two. Yeah, imagine it's like, if it had, like, succeeded. <laughs> it's like, wow, we could have had galactic peace. We could have been star <laughs> peace, not Star Wars. Imagine, like, we have Marvel what if, Star Wars what if. <laughs> if the Xylobeast won, we would have had, like, peace forever. Sorry. Very sad because they end up. I think they end up killing it. I think it's Padme is very adamant about not killing it, and Mace Windu and Anakin have this like adult like moral dilemma about like what they do, what they what do they do with it. And at this point, it's like of course none of them know that Palpatine is Darth Sidious, so it's like they have to protect the Chancellor all this stuff, and of course it's like running amok on Coruscant, which is like a very populated big city, so it's like, you know, now it's like all of these other people are implicated, but it is still really sad, because it's like... It's not um, yeah, Padme was so good in that, in that episode in particular, she was like, no, like, you can't just kill it just because whatever. Uh, Padme, always a humanitarian, we love With her. reason. Yeah. She's really the voice of reason. We've talked. I've I've talked about this on the podcast before. You were a co-host, but yeah, Padme's role in the Clone Wars is like so great, and the, what they do with her character is fantastic, and not only adds to her character and her political nature but also just like just gives her so much more depth as mm-hmm. does it does with like everyone else but specifically Padme because she is so like jilted in the movies after mm-hmm. after Attack of the Clones um I don't know I've always thought of her as just like such a rock like it feels like everybody else kind of like because I mean it's not about her but it feels like she's like the rock to so many things and everybody else is just like I don't know running amok around her if that makes sense no, and yeah. she like never yeah she just I don't know she always just stays true to herself which is just so admirable yes I completely agree cause it's like there is so much shit going on all the time with like, with, like these clone wars going on and like all the shit that she has to deal with in the senate and like Anakin and like all these other interpersonal things going on yeah, she is. She knows who she is. She knows what she wants. She knows how she wants to run things, like, within the Senate with her constituents, like, whatever. But she she gets shit done, and she doesn't really back down, especially when she is, like, being held captive or, like, on a mission or, like... Even when, like, Anakin, like, encourages her to, like, I don't know, break the rules a little bit, she's like, no, like, I'm going to do what's best for my people and me and like she's so good we love a woman that you know knows her worth and doesn't listen to men uh, uh, we love a woman who doesn't listen to men <laughs> fantastic and yeah I think that's it for these two episodes it like what's really I think the last thing I want to say about these is like we always joke about like the Clone Wars is for kids, and it is, like, it's marketed, it was on Cartoon Network, it was marketed for children, it's a kid's show, George Lucas always goes on and on and on about how Clone Wars, or Star Wars in general, is for children, no matter what dude bros on the internet want to say, what they want to argue, George Lucas has always said it's for kids, but it's also great because as much as it's for children, episodes like these show, like, just how... The writing is also, like, it's for kids, but it's also teaching the children mm-hmm. how, like, these like, elevated topics. Like, something. Yeah. Like, like, you need to 
there's consequences, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, like, hey, like, don't screw up someone's living situation. Like, of course, like, kids are not going to be put in that situation. Like, and, I mean, maybe a kid might see this and be like, oh, like, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know, mess something up. Or, like, maybe I should yeah, leave I mean, someone alone or something like that. Like, I don't know if this can be, like, replicated into someone in a children's life or if they could even take this into account. But I think it's, like... I don't know. It's good. I don't know. It's, like, good to see that because it's, like, I don't know, maybe later down the line when they're learning about American history, maybe this will stick out and be, like, hey, like, this kind of reminds me of that and that's, like, fucked up. I think even, like, even, I don't want to say dumbing it down even more, but, like, I just think of, okay, well, what if a kid was playing in a park and found a baby rabbit and, like, went to pick up a baby rabbit and, like, you know, brought it home Mm -hmm. and, like, that baby rabbit will die. Like, without a doubt, it's going to die. That kind of thing, you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. not exactly the same, but it's teaching kids that you can't just, like, just because you, want you are, I don't want to say superior, but, like, just because you think you're, you know, the one in charge, you can't just take something out of its natural habitat or, you know, try to colonize a body, like, yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't just take things that aren't yours, hmm. especially living things not in charge of things or animals just because you can talk or whatever like I'm not gonna get into like humans like I'm not an animal rights freak like that like whatever as we are literally on a podcast talking like humans shouldn't speak right but it's like you know yeah I think that's a really good example too but but yeah and also it's as much as it's great for children like that, it's also, like, that episodes like these, like, make it great for adults and mm-hmm. teens and stuff. Like, it, all of it's great for adults and stuff. Like, it's all really entertaining, but it's, like, episodes like these and even the Death Watch arc and things like that. It's, like, makes it even more interesting and fun to watch. And then it gets even better later on. And I think the last thing I want to say about this season, I mean, obviously the last couple of episodes, like the season finale and stuff, goes even more into the bounty hunter aspect or theme of this season um, by focusing a lot on young Boba Fett, um, who always looks so angry, which I guess, like, if I saw my, well, not my father, but, like, I guess if I saw my mother's head get decapitated... Um, I guess I would, like, always be angry. He is a permascowl. Like, he's permascowl. Yeah, he is. He's. We should have seen him and been like, that guy looks a little bit too angry. We should not have him, you know, be with other young clones and get close to them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the last couple episodes, uh, 20, 21, and 22 last three episodes deal with him and like basically wanted to get revenge on Mace Windu who is the one who cut his dad's head off um and it's like kind of scary he the only thing I can like equate it to like he reminds me of like the doll Chucky not actually like he doesn't like physically remind me of Chucky but like the the lengths that he goes to like yeah like he just like the doors and stuff you're just like yeah like he just reminds he just like I just, I just imagine, like, a little thing running around wanting to kill someone. Like, I don't know. Like, like, hearing behind corners. Yeah, and just, like, like, shit, bro. Like, fuck. Like, imagine a kid running around wanting to kill you. That's fucked up. That's so scary. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pull an Anakin and kill this kid. Jesus. Oh, my God. As we've said, Anakin made some points. He made some points. Stick Boba Fett in that room and be like, hey. Revenge of the Sith Anakin made some points. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to outwardly agree because I don't want this, you know, to come up in 10 years. And, like, this is why she's crazy, but, you know. Again, do not show my psychologist this podcast. But, um, yeah, that's all we have to say about... Some Boba Fett fanatic is gonna come up here and be like, "You call Boba Fett Chucky?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, bitch!" And I'll do it again. Bop, bop. I'll do it again. Bop, bop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, well, I mean, that, 
that's basically how he works. And I'll do it again, Bubba! Like, that's literally, that's him, <laughs> to a T. Book of Boba Fett comes out. <laughs> Chucky rises again. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Um... Do you have any final thoughts on the season? I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, and I also feel like that was a good episode to kind of end the season with. Don't ask me how season three starts, because again, I watched them all so quickly that they all just blended into one season. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. forward we have some fun things planned and coming up for patrons possibly no definitely a WandaVision episode for our patrons and merch ideas we're thinking about some more stickers and things for our patrons that come along with a new logo so you guys can keep your eyes peeled for that and if you ever want us to talk about something specific or you want us to elaborate on something or do an episode specifically on a topic, you can let us know on Twitter and we can talk about it in our Heroes Cantina episodes that we do every other episode because um, we do our Clone Wars episodes on the episodes that we don't do, the Cantina episodes. So the next Clone Wars episode next episode episode after that we'll be talking about season three and we won't talk about all of season three in one episode that we did this episode most likely unless unless we will i'm not sure yet we'll go to the theme the next yeah episode. yeah because season three is kind of like when we get into like the good stuff we are very excited to get into season three and without going too much into it, season three kind of starts off a lot with clone stuff, mm -hmm. Ventress stuff, Grievous stuff, um, Shock T as well. So it kind of just depends where we want to start. We're not sure, again, what arc we're going to start with. But season three is also, mid-season three is where Ahsoka gets her makeover, where she gets her double blades. So she gets two. She's been working on one. She's only been working with one. Season three is where she gets her two blades, two blades, two saber lightsabers. Um, we get to meet Corky Cries, which I mentioned in this episode. Um. <laughs> so maybe if um, people want me to go crazy um, in the next episode, I will talk more about that conspiracy theory. Um. Oh my god, next um, season is also where we get into the Night Sisters, so we get to spend a lot more time with Ventress. Um, and next season is where the Mortis arc happens, and that is, I think, my favorite arc in all of Clone Wars. Um, and we get the Wookiee Hunt, which is a fucking fantastic episode. Make me cry! That, that episode is so fucking good. Ah, season 3 is good yeah it is good season five is my favorite outside of i don't even think season seven is my favorite season as a whole has my favorite episodes but not my favorite season but season three is up there i think get excited everybody you can support us on patreon and you can follow us on twitter our exact twitter is at heroes of galaxy there you go and our Instagram, too, where I post a lot of funny TikToks. And when you can find the TikTok where we talked about today about Quirky Cries again. I've mentioned him way too much, honestly, in this podcast today. Um, but our Instagram is Heroes of the Galaxy. And a very special thank you to our patrons this month. James, Chris, Sean, Larry, and Adam. Thank you again. And... Thank you. <laughs> that's all for this episode. I've been your host, Alani. And Kelsey. Bye. Bye. I have to sort this out on my own. Without the council, 
and without.